Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Wow, cannot verbalize how much it means to be able to be back with you and lift up the name of our Lord together. And a very real sense walking in here today that Jesus Christ is the reason that we're here and the one we gather to worship, and he never left. And I walked in sensing his already work that he's been doing, and my prayer was, Lord, help me not to mess up what you're, you're at work doing here. And he is so good. But he's put us in a family, and he's given us our love for each other, and you are my family, and I missed you and Tam we uh, together missed you more than we can say, and I felt like, I think that uh, It's a Wonderful Life, the movie we watch on, over the holidays where George has a chance to step outside his life and watch it without him in there, and then when he comes back to his life, he is just so grateful for his wonderful life, and that's what, what we've been feeling, except in that movie when he was away, things fell apart. When we came back, things are better. <laughs> And it meant so much to come back into the, the uh, routine this week and discover a healthy team, a healthy church, and just God's grace flowing through you and a team of faithful servants doing his work. And, and so I do, we do want to thank you for the opportunity to be away for, uh, for a little while with the purpose of, of really reconnecting with the Lord and refueling with Him and soul care, but also to reconnect as a family and then to rethink ministry strategy and, and just um, doing life as church in this time and age, time and day. And speaking for Tam, babe, do you want to say anything? All right, I'll, I'll, we cannot thank you enough for the, the time we had together as family. And it will be a gift that we, we will treasure for eternity, I know, and being there at the empty nest season of launching our kids out, seeing Chad go off to med school, Jess off to Purdue, and and uh, and then this new season of, of, you know, doing what God's called us to do, and one of the things he did was just rebirth in me the beauty of family, the gift of family, the power of a Christ-centered family, and the power of the church to launch and help Christ-centered families, and I'm coming back, we're coming back saying, we are here to help families thrive as they put Christ at the center and you guys launch your kids. We're here to help. And it takes a team. We know what you've meant to, to our kids. And so, so excited I, to just come alongside wherever you are, whatever season of life and family you are, and to, to be that outpost of heaven that can be a support to you. And awesome to see crew Edwards coming into the, the world and just think kid after kid and Family after family, we get to help um, go hard after Christ. A huge thank you to our ministry staff. And we're reminded again, what a gift God has given us of a, the staff that he's provided to love on you, to lead us, to follow Christ. And these guys, um, led by Tyson, as I mentioned earlier, coming back, things are getting better. And um, they moved the mission of our church ahead. And one week, as an example, was 
when they, above and beyond their normal responsibilities, they grabbed paintbrushes and hammers and they um, moved everything out of our office, totally redid the office. If you haven't been back there, it's office open house. Come on back or drop by my office. They, um, Tyson painted the shelves. It was led by a Tyson and Shelly, uh, Kimmy, Tam had a part of this. But there's families too, Calla, uh, Liam, Reese, back there just loving big. And then many of you put the, uh, wrote cards, welcome back cards, and stuck them on my shelves. When I walked in on Tuesday, I saw that. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And this uh, picture is on the really neat one. This is right by my, where I turn on the light when I come in and out of the office. That's uh, Tim Howard. But uh, to give a fist bump to the fight every time I walk in and out and just meant so much. So I love his church, love our team. And uh, far more important than facilities, though, is them caring for you and loving you and being Christ to you. So thank you to them. Thank you to our leadership team for loving big, our elders. The last Sunday that, that I was here, June 2nd, at the end of one of the services, I, I turned and I just tossed the mic to Doug. Doug is the chairman of our elder team and did not plan to do that. It was a spontaneous transferring of leadership in my mind and the mantle of leadership. And this church family that I love, handing off the leadership. And when we got home, uh, we, we were discussing and, and uh, I walked right out of the, this room. Well, found out that Tyson said, you know, what if Doug had dropped the mic? And I'm like, Doug wasn't going to drop the mic. And Chad, who's our logic man, said he could have dropped the mic. And, <laughs> and then it hit me. There was not one doubt in my mind, not a shred of doubt that Doug would not catch the leadership baton, gifted by God, called to this moment by God, and carry on the leadership. And, and it was what a gift that, that I had that affirmation in my heart, but then to come back and hear and see it happen. And just where Doug, as well as the rest of our leaders, faithfully cared for you. And God provided the wisdom and, and just all that was needed for this season. So thank you to our leadership team. Thanks to all of you for pulling on the rope. And I know everyone has a, a role. Um, every member matters and the volunteer spots. And I heard it was a busy ministry summer with VBS and the, all that was going on. The uh, Family Fourth Fest summer uh, softball and just all the, the weekend and week out routines. Those of you keeping the facilities, the grass never stopped growing and you were faithful to just to uh, continue to serve. So thank you for that. Thank you for those who preached on Sundays. I've been catching up to the messages with Tyson, just an amazing job. And then Bo um, teaching us how to glorify God through bacon as we enjoyed bacon and, and appreciated Rob uh, just bringing just how to walk with God and, and to love, lead, and learn. And, and uh, Wes taking us into Proverbs and then this family series is, has just been powerful. Appreciate these men. And, and then thank you for those who uh, put up a wall of prayer protection for our family. We're sharing with some, I don't think I've ever felt as sheltered and protected in, life, in, in our life from the enemy. And the enemy doesn't want us resting if he can get us fatigued, he can get us discouraged and can drain life, mission, energy. And, and I know you were praying that we would have that sheltering, and we did. And we filled up. Our souls are full and dangerously fired up to, to do what God's called us to do. But we know that was through your prayers. And so thank you. We, uh, our prayer now is that God would just 
double back. Whatever you prayed for us, you would receive double in blessing over the, the days to come. And I appreciated the time to step away just to think deeply, read deeply, pray, and be with the Lord in the three areas, preaching, leading, and then ministry strategy. I'll be sharing a lot more in the days to come. But uh, today, thank you for this opportunity to share God's word with you. And there were many moments that he reaffirmed my calling to just the, the privilege that's entrusted to be your pastor and to open God's word. One of those was as I was, we were dropping Jess off at Purdue. And Purdue fans, the, uh, you'll, side note, I need to share, you'll appreciate this. We, we, uh, I'm an IU fan by, by uh, birth, right? And so we drop her off and they give us this free t-shirt. Proud Purdue dad. <laughs> now this throws me into a horrible predicament because I love my daughter and I am a proud dad. So I, I can't throw this away. I can't give it away. I've got to keep it, right? <laughs> but I can't wear it either. That would betray who I am. So I put it in my closet and every morning, here it is, t- trash talking me. And <laughs> It's a, it's a brutal life right now. <laughs> but confession's good for the soul. I, I have confessed. Purdue is a great school. Thankful for it in Jesse's life. And, and I do, living out of state, Purdue's an Indiana school. So I, when they're not playing IU, I will quietly cheer them on. <laughs> but, uh, but back to that. We were dropping her off, and that thought was, you know, what a gift that she's only an hour away and we can check in on her on FaceTime and whatever. But what if I, God called me home and I couldn't assure her of my love? That'd be hard, you know, seeing her from a distance. But what if that was the case? But he said, John, I'm going to let you send someone who's still down on earth to go give her a message. Who would, who would I pick? to go, go give this beautiful girl that I love more than life itself a message. And then what would that message be? <laughs> and I would pick someone who knew me well. I would pick someone who I knew loved her and cared about her. And then the message would be pretty simple, right? Let her know that, that her father loves her with the love that's undying Let her know that she is beautiful, that uh, she is uniquely designed to do good and go do it. Let her know that the future is beautiful, that the best is yet to come. And if she's in any sort of danger, any sort of veering from the path of life, warn her with urgency and tell her, go live, go love until you Breathe your last breath, and then step into life at its very best. And then it hit me. That's what the Father has allowed me to do each Sunday, and those of us who teach and represent his word to you, and to share a message of hope that you are loved more than you know. The best is yet to come, that we do live on a battlefield, that this is not neutral ground, and there are, um, there's a lion that's seeking to devour, and there are warnings that that must be given, but to encourage us to go live and go love, and so thank you for this opportunity, opportunity, and 
We'll go to him in prayer now. Father, we do just thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for the privilege of doing life together as family. And I thank you for this precious faith family that you've assembled for such a time as this. Lord, we pray that you would just empty our souls of pride right now, flush the pride and just create in us a pure love for you and the people around us to go live and be a blessing and do what you've called us to do. Open our hearts to your word now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is a big day as we stand at the, the, the starting line or the doorstep of a new ministry year. And as a church family, one of our traditions is really just to begin on our knees. The, the success of this coming ministry year and all of our plans to do the good God's called us to do really hinges on our proximity to him. John 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but with you, with me, if you will abide with me, you'll bear much fruit. And so to, today, the simple goal is simply to pray, to start praying today, and then to pray throughout this week as we near next Sunday, which is Vision Sunday, and we'll, we'll map out where we sense the Lord leading us as a church family. To help us with that, we're going to pray the Word of God. We're going to pray Psalm 8. It's a prayer that, that David prays. Scholars, some scholars think he prays it near the time that he was, uh, had fought Goliath, so early in his life. And it is packed with timeless truth that's powerful to reshape our perspective of life and then fuel us with that really life fuel mission as we set out to, to do the good God's called us to do. So would you please join me in, in uh, Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8, and we'll begin there in verse 1. David opens with, with a, uh, a declaration, which is really the big idea of the prayer. It frames the entire prayer, starts with it, ends with it, and then he expounds on it in the middle. But this is it. He says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He starts with Lord, the first time he says Lord, it's the, the Hebrew word Yahweh, which points us to the, or highlights our God as a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. It's like Yahweh, and then he says our, reminding us that we belong to him and we belong to each other. We're part of a faith community. And then he says Lord again, but it's the Hebrew word Adonai, which points to the reality that he's our master. He, he's, as he prays Adonai, he's really, you can just see him kneeling in surrender to the Lord. Lord, you're the one who made your, a promise to us. You will keep your promise to us. You're our Lord, and we are bowing to you in submission in these moments. You're our master. Lead on. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Here David is leading us to see the towering greatness majesty, wonder, excellence of our God that is exploding all around us. When David lifts up the name of God, it's a way of summarizing who God is. It represents just in one phrase everything that God is, his character, his attributes, and what he's done. He says how the majesty of your name, every atom in the universe is shimmering with the majesty of our Lord. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then it's as if someone raises their hand and says, okay, give us an example. David, what, what are you talking about? And where, where are you seeing this? 
And David says, okay, pull over right here. Stop the car right here. Here's a scenic overlook. And he takes us into four scenic overlooks where we see the, the, the uh, majesty of God just exploding around us. At this point, you may be saying, okay, John, remind me again, why is it so important to see the majesty of our God? And just to, to reframe this again, as humans, our perspective is so frail, isn't it? How much does it take to, to just throw our perspective of life into a, a tizzy, to lose sight of what really matters, to become discouraged, and, and the enemy of our soul wants us looking at anything but the majesty of our God. And, and it's why this is so crucial. David starts and he says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then he ends with it. The last, and then he expounds it. There are four scenic overlooks, and really today is just getting us started. Hopefully this week as we go out, we'll stop, we'll pull over, wherever it may be, Taco Bell. When life starts to get heavy and hard and light, our perspective is frayed and our life energy, or our energy to do what God's called us to do, our hope, joy, peace is draining. We pull over and we just pray this simple prayer. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Where do we see the majesty of his name? First, Scenic overlook is right there in verse second part of verse 1 where he says, you have set your glory in the heavens. Scenic overlook 1 is, I see it in your creation. All it takes is, is one look into the heavens to see the majesty of our God, isn't it? Where, where you just go out on a starry night, look up, and it's crazy to think on the clearest of nights, we can only see with our eyes the doorway to the universe of stars that, that God is, has put out there. The uh, astronomers tell us that we can see approximately 3,000 stars with the naked eye. So then Galileo and others invent the telescope, allowing us to see 100,000 stars with, with these telescopes that we look through. And then we invent the Hubble. And how many stars can we see? We're still counting. David says, I, you have set your glory in the heavens. How big is our God? How majestic is our God? When we look up, we just see the doorway to a universe of majesty that he created and that he sustains. During our time we had the opportunity to, to take the trip out west and to see the majesty of the Lord and the in his creation and the mountains communicate his majesty don't they these big granite rocks and one of our favorite spots as a family was Yosemite and we were driving into Yosemite and you come through this this uh, tunnel drive through this mountain tunnel and when you come out this is what we were seeing and I have 532 other pictures that we're just going to walk through right now. <laughs> There's no way to, and I had taken a, a uh, social media fast for the three months. So I was off, appreciate Tam, and she was just given, if you want to hop on her Facebook page, and she has an album there, you can see the rest of these pictures. But we just blown away at the majesty of our Lord. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The second scenic overlook that we see David takes us to, hop back in the car, here we go, down the road, and then he says, verse 2, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. 
This is the second scenic overlook is I see your power, I see it, your majesty and your power to defeat evil. This is one of those verses, though, that as you're having your chair time, you're reading through a psalm and worshiping, you come to a verse like this and you're like, what does that mean? And we tend to skip on, read ahead, but this is a beautiful picture. It's almost like David's looking at the skies and then he looks at earth and he sees the, the mess down here, right? He sees evil at play. And then he sees the majesty of God in that when God goes, here, here's what he's saying, when God goes to defeat evil, he doesn't need an army. He can defeat evil through the praise of a, a child and an infant. And if it's true that this was written near the time that David battled Goliath, remember when Goliath, big giant, is coming at, or David confronts him? What does Goliath say to him? You're coming to me with a kid? With, with, I have all, you have no weapons. You have this little the rock sling. And David said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord Almighty. He has a soul full of praise. And what's he charging him for? He says, so that the earth may know that there's a God in heaven. And God silences the foe and the avenger. How many times have you seen him do that in your own life? And I think throughout Scripture we see illustration after illustration. Gideon, you know, you have too many men. I'm going to win this battle with 300 instead of 3,000. Daniel, we could go story after story, and we could tell story after story. God delivers us through his power. Think about the, the great deliverance that he gave. How did God defeat evil once and for all? He sent a baby to Bethlehem. And as Jesus grew and lived the perfect life, he wasn't anything that we would look at and say, wow, as a human. But what did he do? He lived the perfect life of praise for you and me. Even on the cross, he's still praising his father, defeats death. And then he says, come follow me. Yes, we have a lion that roars. And sometimes he's stronger than us, bigger than us. But as we fill our hearts and our homes and our lives with praise, our God is faithful through our praises, to establish a stronghold. And you have nothing to fear from the enemy, right? How many times have you seen that play out in your own life? Lord, how majestic is your name, your power to defeat evil. And then rolling to the next scenic overlook in verses 3 and 4, he says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? and human beings that you care for them. And here David is contrasting the enormity of the universe with our smallness as humans. And he goes back out and looks at the stars and then says, God, you're this big, and yet you care for me. I see your majesty as you stoop, as you condescend to know me and to take care of me. And this is where we bask in the majesty of our God's humility this is our God. He doesn't have to, but he is passionately involved and cares deeply about the intimate details of your life and of my life. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth that you would care for us. There was something that was both simultaneously humbling and exhilarating on sabbatical, guess how far I had to go 
before my name, no one knew my name, before I became anonymous. And not just out there in the crowds, guess how far I had to go in the body of Christ to, to the, a church where no one in that church knows I exist or even knew my name. Guess how far I had to go? Five miles, pick your direction, north, south, east, west. Now, I'm a leader, I'm a pastor, an important leader in in an influential church, right? These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to spend eternity with them. We're on the same team. Five miles, pick great churches, every direction, and no one in that church knew I my name, knew I existed. That church, I saw church after church that was thriving, like tearing it up, parking lot, packed, lives being changed, word being preached, incredible ministries, and they, I did nothing, had nothing to do with that. They never consulted me. And this is our, this is our county. State. And it was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> I am so small. And I'm sitting there in these churches where they're like inviting me. Hey, glad you're here. What's your name? Don't you know who I am? Doesn't matter. And then the Lord whispered as, his, as the smallness humbled me. He said, hey, John, I know your name. And that's the only one that matters. And not only do I know your name, I'm going to feed your soul by some stranger preaching up here today. And I'm going to give you just what you need for your next step this week. As you go out to, to do what I've called you to do on this sabbatical. And the words, two words, the big takeaway from this sabbatical were these two words, daily manna. Our God is faithful to provide care for us, giving us just what we need just for the next step in our journey, daily manna, and he does it through his word and through his people. And I watched him provide again and again. The, uh, every week that I came to worship to sit where you sit, it was interesting. I tried to really live in that moment, and I came with a problem, an issue. And I know you say, how can you have a problem on sabbatical? I used to think that about people who were retired. Man, it's one thing I know about you today, I'm pretty sure everyone in here has a problem, concern that you're dealing with. But one thing I I learned was God is faithful as we open our hearts to him to provide just the manna, the daily, the word that we need to help us carry on even with our issues and our our problems. I watched him do it for our family as well over the sabbatical and being a, a unique time in our family's uh, the season of life that we were in. Chad was coming back to start med school. Jess coming back to start first year of college. Tam was coming back to an empty nest, but also the uh, school. I was coming back to, you know, the next decade of ministry and planning and all that stuff. And so we were, uh, one illustration was a, uh, our big goal was we were going to go out and hike some hikes. And Angel's Landing was the first one. We flew into Vegas, drove to Zion, so we're tired. I was thinking it was going to be a day of rest, but Chad and Jess were like, let's go. So three, 
2 o'clock in the afternoon or so, we take off 90-degree heat to hike this trail that's pretty intense. Bottom of the trail, we read the sign, X number of people have died on this trail this year. And so, you know, you grab chains, but you're going up these chains. We're thinking a football field full of chains once you get to the top. So we're, we're going up, we make it to the chains, and it was scary. If you fall either side, you're dead. And there's no one up there watching you. It's just like climb at your own risk. And what's scary is people are coming down, so you have to let go of the chain for a minute while they pass, and then grab back onto the chain and hope, I'm fine, Chad's fine. I'm worried about my daughter, right? I don't want somebody nudging her off the cliff. So finally, we make it through the football field full of chains, and we made it to the top. Now, I'm like, whew, Jess is still alive. We're good. Let's turn around and go back down. So I take a video. Well, halfway through this video, this guy who's kind of like your hiker dude just starts laughing. You can hear the laughter in the video. And here's what happened. Here we are, top of Angel's Landing. The angel landed right there. Can we crank it up, sound? Really? Oh, it's not? (laughs) Check that. So we realized right in that moment, that wasn't the top. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm taking this picture I'm going look at this we made an angel's landing and then we're both like and you could here so there the first arrow is where we were <laughs> that's where we had to go and it was all chains where if you don't hang on to the chain you, you could die and oh I just what do you do in those moments and you know how you get from there to there you take it one step at a time how do you climb the mountains in your life what did Jesus tell us? Guys, 24 hours at a time, trust me, one step at a time, one day at a time. And it was interesting, as we got to the top, we'll go ahead and play the second video. Here we are at the actual One step summit. at a time, if you look at it all at once, it can be terrifying, but if you just take it one step at a time, it's doable. Lean into the mountain, lean into the rock, lean into the Lord, keep your hand on the chain, encourage each other as you go up. Notice the flowers that are blooming up here, even on a rock. Be inspired. Feel the wind. And know that the Lord is unchanging like a rock. So, as we came back to jump into life, how many times we whispered to each other, or said to each other, hey, praying, but one step at a time. Trusting the Lord. Hanging on to Him one step at a time. And God gave us that just for this season of life. He is faithful. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And we see it as he cares for us. And then the fourth scenic overlook we see in this text is in verses 5 to 8. Here David is looking back to Genesis 1 where he says, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and the herds, all the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and all that swim the paths of the sea. Our Lord has crowned us with glory and honor in that he has given us the ability to co-create with him and to rule or to govern, lovingly govern over his creation, to connect with each other, to collaborate and then to, uh, to make it better and to do that with him. As we think about, um, think about your job, I had the opportunity to job shadow one week during the sabbatical. And 
the, the big takeaway for me, I'll share more about that in days to come, work is worship, but what blew me away was with this everyday job that God has given to, to all of us, we have the opportunity to go to work with him and to display his glory, and it just blew me away um, the ways that, that you are doing that, and just beautiful pictures of his majesty being seen through the glory of our ability to think and relate and create and do what he created us to do. But as followers of Jesus, he's given us the opportunity to co-create with him at a whole nother level, a bigger picture, and that's to uh, come alongside people who have been broken. We know at the fall, sin defaced the glory of God in humanity, where we have become worshipers of ourselves and worshipers of creation rather than worshipers of God. And that leads to, to death. But God has given us as Jesus followers the opportunity to share a message of hope, which is God loves us, gave his son for us, died on the cross for our sin, paid our sin debt. And to all who believe in him, are given the promise of eternal life, and not just the promise of freedom from the penalty of sin, but the freedom to live free from the power of sin so that we are coming alive, stepping back into the glory, our intended original glory, little by little, as we allow God to, to transform our hearts, eyes fixed on Jesus, we are reflecting the glory of God, and we get to go back into the fight where people are hurting, where people are broken, where people are worshiping themselves, worshiping all these other things that can't bring life and say, hey, there is one more majestic than you can ever know who loves you. And we get to share the message of the gospel with them. So here's, it was, I almost felt guilty at first experiencing this, and then it, uh, I went with it and just took it as a message from the Lord. But at nearly every scenic overlook that we came to, and I love nature, and I connect with God through the beauty of nature, but at almost every scenic overlook, the, the beauty of that scene, the Grand Canyon, the Yosemite, whatever it was, took a distant second to something else in the scene. I mean, distant second. In fact, it was almost like I didn't even care to see the nature. And the, the most beautiful part of the scene was what's in this picture. the people, and there were people from every country. You hear, it struck us. There's 50% probably if these sites were international, the, the nations coming to us, and, and I'm seeing this scene, but I'm seeing the pinnacle of God's creation. What's the most beautiful part of God's creation? It's not a big tree. It's not a big rock. It's not even a big body of water with a big star dropping behind it, making scenes like that. It's people. <laughs> And this is the pinnacle. And I wanted to preach at the Grand Canyon, just stop and say, hey, everybody, do you know how much the Lord loves you? And this big hole in the ground, it was a graveyard for an entire group of people. This is the result of the flood of Noah. This is judgment. And there's another judgment coming, but you don't have to be judged because Jesus Christ came and took our judgment on the cross so that you can have life. And every time I got that urge, the Holy Spirit said, nope, not here, not now. It'll go bad. <laughs> you don't have a relationship with these people. They're just going to send you off on the wacko bus. 
<laughs> but when you get back to your home where these people know you and the 80,000 people here that don't have a church home, churches' parking lots are packed, you guys. The church is doing well in Hendricks County. We don't need another church here. But you know what? So is Walmart's parking lots and, and Lowe's parking lots on Sunday mornings. 80,000 people may not have a church home, and we've been given the gift of going to precious people. This is Tam. She's especially beautiful, most beautiful girl in the world to me, that, uh, to, uh, to see their joy come to life as they step into a relationship with the God who loves them. Amen. So that's our job. That's what we'll be talking about next week. But today we get to gather at the Lord's table and just remember how much he loves us. As we come to the table, I encourage you to pray through Psalm 8 again. Just, Lord, how majestic is your name in your redeeming love. As we take the bread, we remember his body that was broken for us. As we take the cup, we remember his blood poured out to us as a, a, a sacrifice of atonement for our sin. And then we hear him promise us, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come again. And we fix our eyes on home. We are citizens of another land. And so let's pray. Father, we, we bask in the majesty of your name this morning. As we come to the cross, we, uh, we know that there is no way for us to fully understand or express our gratitude for what you've given us. You gave your son, Jesus, you became fully human, fully God, took on our frailty, and yet you came, lived a perfect life, and died in our place, and we praise you for that. And in these moments, Lord, we bask in the wonder of your love, the majesty of your name. And Lord, we reorient our, our lives and our perspective to live for the majesty of your name. I thank you that life is not about our name, but about your name. But Lord, I thank you that you know our name, that you care for us, and that we get to share life with you. And I just tell you again, you are the treasure. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.